Yeah, this is a message for you, uh, Dolomore. Uh, you need to stop spreading lies and misinformation about President Trump. Just wanted you to know that you're lying and you need to stop it. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show. This episode 321 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, that lovely lady whom you all know and love, because she's lovely, and a lady, Brittany Page. Well, we know I can't say hello, <laughs> because then I will be insulted. Listen, so we've been doing a lot of work lately. We have. A lot of shows. Yes. Call-in episodes, bonus episodes with future congressmen. All that content. All the content. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's... Uh, but, uh, I got a, I'm not that creative a guy. Yeah, we know. Coming up with things, episode after episode, can be arduous, mm-hmm. to say the least. Yes. So welcome. Welcome <laughs> to you too, Brittany. Yes, thank you. Listen, before we get started, I want to say a couple things. One is we are, again, we're going to be going on vacation from, for 10 days. The 19th to the 28th. Yeah, we'll be gone. And then the, the next piece of information is when we come back, that next weekend of the, the last weekend in July. It's not the next weekend. It's the weekend we come back. That's right. Yes. The, la- the, the final weekend in July. Yeah. We are going to go to Politicon. Yes. In Pasadena, California, mm-hmm. which there's all kinds of shit. JTAP's going to be there. All kinds of, you know, news nerd celebrities are going to be there. Yeah. But also Tommy Laren yes. is going to be there. Your girl. Apparently, well, let's not get crazy. Uh, apparently debating Chelsea Handler. Yeah. Now, on the Politicon website for the schedule, it says a conversation with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say debate. So maybe they're just going to. Go at each other a little bit while sitting in chairs or something. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a formal debate, you know? Yeah. But we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I'm not going to promise anything, but uh, eh. yeah, we're going to be there. Yes. That I can promise. Yes. <laughs> so in terms of the schedule while we're gone, this week will be normal for shows and next week will not. But again... We are going to make it up to you by providing hashtag third episode the following week. Yeah. So and we've already done a whole bunch of shit to kind of you right. know make so, it up a little bit. Yeah. So things, in advance. things will be late. Okay, but we're promising that we will make it up. Yes. Yes. Brittany's way more concerned about it than me. I'm extremely concerned. In fact, I'm sweating as I talk about it. <laughs> You can make your jokes, but you're stressed out about it. I'm a little... About missing episodes. I have sweaty palms right now talking about it. All right. Like I said, you can make your jokes, but you are very seriously stressed out about it. I'm... Again, I'm not making jokes. (laughs) 
I am <laughs> listing the physiological symptoms yes. that I'm experiencing to right. indicate that it is real. Right. All right. Well, listen, we've talked on previous episodes about Brittany Page and her love. I don't know if it's love or just inability to avoid Facebook discussions. Yeah. Brittany even likes whether or not she gets involved, but to go on to like Fox News, excuse me, Fox News and their comment sections on Facebook yeah. just to read, mm-hmm. just to get a flavor for what's going on. Torture. And it's a lot of craziness. Yeah. But Brittany has also, I think, mentioned on the show briefly that another place for contentious Facebook arguments is where, of course, you would expect it, Food Network. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, people are surprised to learn this, but people have a lot of opinions about food. I was surprised. And not just food, but Food Network personalities as well. It's really interesting because (laughs) if you go to the Food Network Facebook page, they have all these videos of recipes similar to those tasty videos that are always in your feed. And if you go... And read the comments, let's say, on a Pioneer Woman, Reed Drummond thread. Yeah. You will find a battle between uh, different like factions of people that oh, are... Oh, so it's like an ongoing like turf war kind of a thing yeah, via Facebook, like, but about cooks. If you hate Reed Drummond, you're probably a Jada person. Or really, that's how that's how things fall. Or that's how the Ina, chips fall. Or an Ina person. Ina Garten. Yeah. The 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 barefoot Contessa. Yeah. Reed Drummond is not considered like an official person. And I swear, if you go look at any recipe and you see a debate happening on a on a Reed Drummond Pioneer Woman thread. Like if you see it and then it says 25 more comments, you know something's hot. Yeah. And in about 10 comments, you will see someone insult her salad on a stick recipe. Who's Giada's? No, Pioneer Woman. Oh, Pioneer Woman. She, she has, has a salad on a stick. Yes, and everyone that hates her loves to bring it up to indicate that she's not a good chef. Okay, well, do you have another example? Give us some examples of this. Okay, so here's this person. They commented on the salted caramel cheesecake squares thread, and this has resulted in 25 comments. <laughs> The most annoying woman in the world. Sorry, ma'am, but I just can't watch any videos with you in it. That smile is so forced and makes me go blind. Fuck me, you are annoying. What? Really? And someone responded, why watch her videos then? It took enough time to comment for no reason. I never understand hate comments on a video that no one asked you to comment on. Wow. Someone chimes in, so you'd rather watch Valerie Bertinelli or Tia Mowry, who are way more annoying? Are, Are they also Food Network people? I, I guess. Valerie Bertinelli? I think she is. Is on Food Network? I believe so. One day at a time, Valerie Bertinelli. Yeah. Van Halen. Valerie Bertinelli. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I had no <laughs> idea she was on Food Network. Okay. So then another issue is people not wearing their hair up. And this one I understand. But in the but it's a demonstration. It's not like she's feeding the crew with the hair food. Yeah, but it still looks unappealing. Okay, here's a comment. (laughs) I don't trust people cooking with long, stringy hair over my food. Someone responds, good thing it's not being made for you then. Do you put your hair up in a hairnet when you cook at home? Or would you do so if you were making this web video? Unlikely. (laughs) 
you've got issues. Well, that was the end of the comment. No, that's a new comment. Oh, a new c- to yeah. that person. Yes, you've got issues. Okay. Who knew? Yeah. And now another thread that's really controversial is Italian food. Okay, because N- another thread, or it's common that food featuring posts featuring Italian food. Yes. Are controversial. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because people of course. people say I'm Italian. This is not authentic. Oh, yeah, of course. And then there's a battle of people who appreciate the authentic recipe and people who don't give a shit. Right. But they're commenting and arguing for 30 comments. <laughs> so for 30 comments. Uh, this comment resulted in 26 comments. Wow. As an Italian, I say this oh, that, is awful. That's a nice qualifier. As an Italian... Or should I say, it as an Italian. Uh. <laughs> Everything is wrong with this, especially the way it's cooked. I'm the Pope. Uh, and I'm, I guess the Pope's not Italian anymore. But So this person comes on and says, as an Englishman, I don't care. Looks good. <laughs> and then another person comments and says, this is disgraceful. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing to me. Anyway, so people get really heated yeah, it's on these not threats. Just, it's not just political debates that turn into shit shows no apparently salad on a stick is highly controversial in the facebook world very controversial unbelievable and if you're wondering what the hell salad on a stick is it's literally what it sounds like there's a piece of lettuce just like a chunk of lettuce or a leaf of lettuce just a chunk of lettuce like iceberg lettuce yes you know real tasty iceberg yeah you cut it into chunks and then you put a chunk on the stick And then you put a cherry tomato and then a a chunk of cheese. And and then she drizzles it with fucking ranch dressing or something. There's some sort of dressing on there. Anyway, what's happening? I I think I'm the anti-re-drumming crowd then. I'm taking (laughs) sides here. Because that's goddamn dumb. Are you going to go start arguing about it for 30 comments? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I have a fake Facebook account and already have started. Oh. You don't even know, Brittany. I hope... Not. I, like the Lord, work in mysterious ways. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to some voicemails and some emails before we move on. Hey, Brittany and Jesse. This is Carissa. I'm just wondering, did I miss an episode somewhere where you guys asked people to call in and be a dick? (laughs) I'm listening to, I don't know, it's the 13th of July, whatever episode it is. Um, And... The guy, the guy's talking about fake news. Go kill yourself, whatever. Are we, are we doing a thing here, or are these people just actual assholes that don't realize they don't have to listen Bingo. to a podcast? Like they don't even have to have a podcasting app. It's not like it's on the radio or like what's 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 happening. I guess I've been saying that since Trump got elected, but but you know now, so now they're insulting you guys. And don't insult Brit. She's not lackluster. You know, I just love Carissa because she's my number one defender. Well, she's also the originator. She is. This is Carissa. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Yes. How long ago was that? That's a while. It's been a running thing for a long goddamn time. Yeah. And she always defends me, especially against you and your vicious, vicious attacks. So speaking of vicious attacks... We're not doing a thing. Yeah, it's not a thing. No one invited (laughs) the dicks to the party. No. Because too many dicks in a party is never good. Mm. You need a good ratio of non-dicks to dicks. And 
Now I'm just going off the rails. Anyway, uh, yeah, we, we recently that. got we recently got a slew, yeah. if you will, a slew of calls mm-hmm. telling me to stop being a liar. Yes. Stop attacking Donald Trump. Yeah. Just get on board with the program because if everybody's on board with the program, everything will work out. You know, that's how it works in life, Brittany. Yeah. If everybody, was on, if, if everybody got on board with the Muslim ban, the whole world would be better. We go through periods where it's quiet and then it kind of comes back. Last week was a big full force. Last week was a big death threat week, though. Yeah. So they all they all come at once because they're coming from a specific place. And I won't promote that organization. No. But there is a particular organization that um, basically calls people to arms. Yeah. Right? Directed and, people here. And directs them to the phone number, to the Facebook page, to the Twitter page. And sometimes it's uh, annoying. <laughs> sometimes it's funny. Yeah. Sometimes it's funny. Most of the time it's annoying. And... Apparently, <laughs> online harassment is not just for people who have podcasts. Apparently, that it's is for correct. a lot of people. Yes. Because I started looking into this after this experience, and online harassment is pretty common. 41% of adults Where are say you getting these numbers? Pew Research. Pew, 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 pew. 41% of adults say that they have experienced harassment online. That and seems low. low seems very low from my anecdotal experience yes that would seem low and this might be a lesson in just because your experience doesn't line up with the statistic doesn't mean the statistic is in question 66 percent of people say that they've seen it happen to others oh only 66 yeah huh and the most common form of online harassment is offensive name calling not death threats (laughs) no so uh, in this order, this is the most common type of um, specific type of online harassment. I thought you were going to say specific names that were called like cuck. No. Or fat faggot ginger. No. Or countless others that I'm yes. called on a daily basis. Offensive name calling <laughs> is number one. Purposeful embarrassment is number two. Okay. Physical threats is number three. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be death threats probably. Yes. Stalking. <laughs> certainly would be. Stalking. Is tied with sustained harassment, meaning like repetitive, continuing, I yeah, assume. Yeah. And then sexual harassment. And men are more likely to be harassed online than women. However, women are more likely to be sexually harassed online, hmm. um, specifically receiving explicit content and that they are, did not request. Men are probably likely to be harassers more than women, I would assume. I they don't, they don't won't that. assume that, and I don't have that readily available. So okay. how dare you ask me a question that why, I'm not Why are you for. moving your hands like you're at a DJ turntable? Wicka, wicka. What, I what are you doing? I am not sure. I I'm don't really... know that. And wicka, <laughs> uh, uh. What, are you do, what are you doing? Um, can you not tell people what's happening behind the scenes? <laughs> this is why it's not a video podcast. Okay. <laughs> so social media is where people are most likely to experience online harassment, and 58% of those harassed say the most recent incident happened on a social media platform. Mm-hmm. They also go into all of these different types of forms of online harassment, like doxing. Yeah, which well, that's is happened to us. Where you put the personal information of someone up without their consent. Yes. Uh, trolling, which is trying to provoke somebody, obviously. Hacking, illegally accessing someone's information. And then swatting, 
have you heard of this swatting? I don't know. Swatting is when you call 911 for a fake oh, emergency. Oh, yeah. That's a video game thing. And have the police show up at that person's house. Yeah, this has happened a lot with video games where <laughs> you'll be playing a game with, well, you know, like the kids with the head and the men and, and by the, the ladies. I'm being super <laughs> dickish right now. You know, the people who wear the headsets and the, they talk to each other while they're killing each other in a first person shooter. Yeah. Well, there's been cases where people will find out the personal information of of their the, their opponent and call nine one one, and then a SWAT team rushes in and you know causes havoc while they're playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. So I hadn't heard of that before. That's very the nerds weird. take their video games very seriously, Brittany. Yeah, it's a serious thing. Well, what do they get out of that? Because unless they're there to see. The cops show up at the house. I don't, I don't understand what they are getting. Why does anybody get anything out of anything online that are anonymous and being dicks? Yeah, they're. That's a good point. They're. It's immaturity. It's dickish. Yeah. Cunty, cunty behavior. Yeah. You don't have to say yeah and agree. <laughs> anyway. I'm just giggling. But thank you. For the call, mm-hmm. Carissa, we appreciate it very much. Yes. Next, let's get to Ty in Louisiana. Hello there, Jesse and Brittany. This is Ty from Central Louisiana. I'm the guy who called the last time and didn't leave his name. Thanks for giving voice to so many things that I've been thinking, but don't get to say very much because I live in such a red state. In fact, just last night, after listening to perhaps one too many political podcasts, I found myself dreaming that I engaged with some Trump supporters or I read some news about Trump, and I praised myself for not having a tantrum. However, I ended up crying in the dream. It is time for some serious self-care now. In fact, I'm not sure how healthy it is for me to be listening to the podcast, and that might be why I'm not sure I can support you on Patreon. Because I love the podcast, I listen to pretty much every episode, and so having one more episode a week, especially if it's going to lead me to have dreams about throwing tantrums over our current political situation. Either way, keep up the great work, and now it's time for me to go do some self-care. Love you. Love the show. Come to think of it, you're both the best part. Huh? Well, there you go, Brittany Page. Uh, probably that's not... You you're, You don't approve of that message. You'd rather you be the best part. No, I absolutely <laughs> approve of the message. I've said repeatedly that the pseudo-competition that goes on makes me a little com- uncomfortable. Uh, I will give Ty a little credit. His name was one of the names we read as being a new patron yeah. on Patreon. So yes. apparently he got over that anxiety, that fear, yeah. and pulled the trigger on that. Good job. And uh, let me tell you, you're not the only one who has shitty political dreams. And you know what? When I do have dreams where, and there have been times where I've had dreams where I cry. I mean, Mm -hmm. should I cry in real life all the time? Why would I not cry in my dreams? Mm -hmm. Um, It's super emotional when I'm crying in my dream. Yeah. It's a bummer when you wake up and you've been crying in a dream. Like, you just feel tired. Like, ah, shit. I didn't get any fucking sleep at all. Yeah. No? No. I'm trying to think if I've had that experience. Yeah, it's a bummer. I don't think I have. Guess I'm just just a baby all the time. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, therapist. Pack it up. All right. Get, put it away. Okay. Ty, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. And listen, uh, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. So we have an email. Speaking of 
therapist from Josh, and he has a question for me. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I'm a huge fan of the show and have become a huger fan, or would it be more huger? Hashtag alternative facts. I very much liked the show, but I was wavering a bit until episode 314. How dare you? Jesse's reaction to the recording sealed my loyalty. The reason I am writing... Belay my last, sir. (laughs) Belay my last. The reason I am writing is to ask some questions for Brittany, the best part, Paige. How dare you again? Could be her wrestling nickname. Since Brittany is in the psychology field, I wanted to ask what her opinion on the increase of religious, secular psychologists... And if she believes there is a dissolution of the wall between religion and therapy. Have either one of you heard of Dr. Daryl Ray or the Secular Therapist Project? Dr. Ray believes that the increase of people with psychology and counseling degrees coming out of religious colleges is bringing harm specifically to the field of therapy. I tend to agree with him. I ran into some troubling research while writing a research paper. In particular, this paper that was supposedly peer-reviewed was written by the head of a psychology department in Pakistan. The author talks about how she used third force therapy to convert three atheist patients of hers. After reading the paper, I was not left with a very happy feeling and was curious if Dr. Ray's alarm was justified. Okay, so yes, I have heard of the Secular Therapist Project and... Is there a problem with therapists coming out of these religious institutions? I would say that it's only a problem if they cannot separate their religious views from what they do with a client who might not hold those same views. And we talked about this a little bit on the bonus episode with Dr. Chris Hoff, the radical therapist, Mm -hmm. where he talked about questions related to his social activism right, his social justice approach, and whether that means he tries to indoctrinate clients with that view, right? And and obviously not. Right. And I think that obviously a religious person can work with a secular person. Sure. And obviously a secular person can work with a religious person, but it does take work separating yourself yeah. from the work that you're doing with the person. But, but, but that should always be the case in therapy, though. Yeah. You're... You, you you leave your bullshit at the door, at the therapy room door. Right. You don't bring in all your fucking baggage and have it inform the the process of help and healing. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah, and that's why a lot of times in these programs, and I don't know if it happens in uh, Christian counseling programs. I did not go to one of those. <laughs> um, By program, you mean like in school? Yeah. Yeah. You're taught to recognize those subjects or those clients that you might have difficulty working with. It could be someone who had an abortion. It could be someone who has molested a child, right? There's all these different things that you're supposed to talk about and process and figure out who you will not be able to work with effectively. In advance. In advance. Yeah. Because you need to know that before you spend time with someone and waste their time. Right. If you're not going to be able to help them effectively. Right. So there are these stories coming out, though, where people say that their therapist has told them the solution to their problem is to pray more or go to church or find Jesus. And I, I do know of an instance through through another therapist friend that I have of this happening 
where a client revealed that they had found Jesus Christ through their therapist. So I think this does happen. I don't know how often it's happening. You know, it's, it seems to me that it would be just as bad for a therapist to try to deconvert or take out fr from out of religion from... Let me rephrase. It seems to me it would be just as bad for a therapist to try to convert someone to atheism, quote unquote, convert them, as it would be for a therapist to convert an atheist to religion. Mm -hmm. That's not your goddamn job as a therapist. Right, you're not you're supposed, not supposed to... to proselytize for atheism or against it or for religion or against it. It's not what you do. Right, and even if someone is coming in and let's say they have a spiritual concern, the role of the therapist is not to have a theological argument or discuss the intricacies of the Bible and where there's contradictions or in inconsistencies. Well, you'd want to say you need to go talk to your pastor about that. Right. Those things aren't really relevant, right? You can talk about the spiritual issues in the way that they're affecting someone's relational health or just their their cognitive ability, right? Are they having anxiety because of these spiritual issues? Right, right. Those kinds of things. But in terms of the specific theological aspects of the problem, that's not really relevant. Now, if you're a counselor who is a, a, a Christian counselor and you advertise, I'm a Christian counselor. Right. If that's part of the deal walking in, right, that's, that's a different that's story. That's part of the deal. Yeah. Someone's willingly going the and doing that. The client signed up for that. Right. Yeah. The Secular Therapist Project is useful because it allows therapists to register so that clients can go to this website and find a secular therapist. It might be difficult for someone to advertise that they're a secular therapist because there is so much stigma associated with being an atheist, and that therapist may lose religious clients. Hmm. Um, yeah. But if they register with this, it's a little bit more confidential, uh, I guess. They emphasize confidentiality. And there, according to the website, a lot of clients are registered with them and not very many therapists. So if there's a therapist listening to this that's a secular therapist, you can go register with the Secular Therapist Project. It's seculartherapy.org. It's free. Might get you, get you some gigs. Yeah. And you can find clients that are looking specifically for a secular therapist that will not push religious beliefs on them. Listen, if I was in need, and maybe this is a bias shitty thing on my part, but if I was looking for therapy, um, I would definitely be hitting up that list. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go to somebody... You know, I wouldn't want to go to somebody just generally as a Christian who believes in stuff that I don't believe in fundamentally. Like yeah. if you believe that homosexuality is a sin, right? Immortal sin. You're not someone I believe that is well equipped enough to help me, and I'm going to choose to see somebody else. And that's actually something that the founder says, Dr. Daryl Ray, as Josh mentioned in his email. He created this because even though a counselor may not try to proselytize or convert you, they still might hold these beliefs and believe in a supernatural entity. And you might not want someone counseling yeah. you that believes that um, or isn't using evidence-based uh, theories, right? So I think that this is an important project, especially for people that are looking for help that don't want to run the risk of committing to a therapist, which is a big decision, and sure. then finding out that they're going to tell them the solution is to pray or go to church or find Jesus. They're going to give them a solution that's not a solution. That might be a solution for some people, but you not for have, them. 
I said what I mean. I know. I'm just saying <laughs> that might be a solution for some people, but not for the the client that's looking for a secular therapist. Hey, everybody, <laughs> that's not a solution. <laughs> just pipe down. You don't need the last word. Everybody knows you disagree. Yeah. Hashtag man- magnanimous laid. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Hashtag magnanimous laid. <laughs> Brittany Page. Oh, God. All right. We have one last voicemail. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate your email very much. On to the final voicemail. Hi, this is Brian. I live in Oregon. Um... Love you guys, by the way. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, like, say this whole thing with Donald Trump Jr., I'm just very concerned. I'm feeling kind of pessimistic. And the thing I'm feeling pessimistic about is, like, is this really going to be anything that changes what happens with, like, what's been happening with the Trump administration? Is it really going to, like, move an investigation forward about possible collusion and possible any laws being broken by the Trump administration with Russia? You know, you guys know what we're talking about. I'm just, I'm very concerned about this. Or is it really going to be the final nail in the coffin that really brings light to the situation of this administration? I uh, would just love to get your guys' opinion on this. Um, by the way, love the guy, love you guys, love the show. Um, thanks. Bye. All right. Listen, first of all, Brian, thanks for calling. We appreciate the question very much. And it is, I'm glad you asked the question because it is something that I want to encourage everybody to not get pessimistic like Ty was talking about. I may rant and rave and be outraged and pissed off and want to bring you guys the information, and there's some bad shit going on, but just know, apart from a few times where I get a little bit overwhelmed, I stay very positive because I believe in the system that's in place. We've been what we've been for 240 years, and the rule of law has stood. And like Martin Luther King Jr. said, the, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And that's not just for civil rights. That's in general. Eventually, we're going to get it done. Eventually, the right thing is going to be done. And the other thing is that because we're such a fast food 24 news, 24-7 news cycle, where you can flip on the TV and get the headlines of right now, what's going on? Um, I think it it kind of tempers our appetite and our expectations for right now results. And we're not going to see right now results because we've got a guy who is a thorough investigator, a thorough prosecutor, a thorough independent counsel in Bob Mueller. He's going to get the goddamn job done. And we're not even going to know about what's happening because he's running a tight ship over there. Apart from one, maybe two leaks we haven't known what's going on, and that's good. It means they're doing their job, and they're doing it impeccably enough that we're not finding out. Yeah, you actually don't want leaks. No. Because you don't want the Trump administration to be able to get out in front of it. And, and also, and call it the witch hunt. See? Yeah. All they want to do is smear me and take me down. If this is done well, if it's done right, we're not going to know the deets. Yeah. So... Keep your head up. Don't get discouraged. Stay positive. Don't be pessimistic. Things are happening. Whether we know it or not, things are definitely happening. 
Because if they weren't, we still wouldn't have a prosecutor. He'd be like, ah, there's nothing here. Mm -hmm. They're gathering evidence. They're continuing to drive this case forward. And every day that new information comes out, which we're going to talk about next in the next segment, shit's happening. So keep your head up. All right. Thanks for the calls and the emails, everybody. We appreciate it very much. If you, too, would like to sound off, communicate with the show, help us move the conversation forward, the number is 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo that you recorded from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you. By way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Gino. Gino. Justin from New Zealand. Justin from New Zealand. That's how the name was written. <laughs> and LJ. LJ. Thank you for your beautiful contribution. You all are awesome. And the rest of you, if you have been on the fence, I, I keep saying this, but if you've been on the fence, now's the time. We are looking forward to some great things going forward. I'm getting the technical bullshit worked out surrounding the call-in episodes. We're starting to do a lot more stuff, and we really enjoy doing it. And to make it a little bit more financially viable for us to do it, it is through your generous and loyal support of the program. So, again, if you've been on the fence, now's the time to pull the trigger on that. We love you guys, and we appreciate you. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the big news all week has been the continuing conversation about Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort, and this meeting they had in Trump Tower in June of last year with this Russian lawyer, this Kremlin-connected Russian lawyer, this oligarch-connected Russian lawyer, Natalia Veselnitskaya. Well, I did a video this week. I took a deep dive into this, and there are very, very troubling connections between her and a lot of other things that are not specifically Donald Trump Jr. related. And to me, I want to know why the questions aren't being asked by the mainstream media, why the reports aren't being done about her connection to exactly what this meeting was about right? and the Trump campaign. So let me give you kind of a rundown if you haven't watched the video. We know that in June of last year, she met with Donald Trump under the guise mm -hmm. that she was a Russian government lawyer, right. a representative of the Russian government. Whether or not that's true, I believe it to be true. Listen, first, let me say this. If you believe that Russia doesn't have spies and people who are operatives working within the, the borders of the United States who don't get their, their check cut from them from the FSB the Russian Intelligence Bureau. Uh, let me rephrase that. The, the, the Russian FSB isn't going to cut a bunch of checks to people that they're paying to do things under the cover of darkness. Right. 
They're going to be paid through other shell corporations or organizations or lobbyist groups or whatever, law firms. That's the way things work. So because she can say, oh, I'm not, I don't have anything to do with the Russian government. It doesn't mean it's true. It was also stated in the email. That's right. That's exactly right. They took the meeting under the premise that they were meeting with a Russian government lawyer. They didn't find out till later that it wasn't the case. They might not even have found out until the media broke the story a year later that it wasn't the case. But let's go back in time to 2009 to a lawyer named Sergei Magnitsky. He works for an American venture capitalist named Bill Browder. And he uncovered a massive tax fraud scam in Russia of hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Well, years ago, he was imprisoned by Russia, tortured, and murdered. Mm-hmm. And because of the outcry of civil rights organizations and many others involved, the United States Congress passed a law which is now known as the Magnitsky Act, which bars individual Russians who are, have taken part in human rights abuses from entering the United States and even taking part in our financial system, our banking system, effectively freezing their assets that are within the purview of the United States financial system. Well, a long investigation was undertaken and about $230 million was tied to a company called Prevazon, which is owned by a man named Dennis Katzev. Dennis Katzev's father, Peter Katzev, is the vice president of of like the Russian Railway, which is a monopoly. This guy's likely worth billions of dollars. He's an oligarch. He used to be the vice premier of the Russian regional government, the, the Moscow regional government. He's a bigwig. Well, in, t- in 2012, the United States Justice Department filed a case against Dennis Katzev. Keep it in mind, a case of, of money laundering involving over a quarter billion dollars, $230 million. This case was being prosecuted by Preet Bharara. From the, he's the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Yes. Was recently in the news. Fired. Because in March of this year, in February, he was asked to quit. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't quit. Finally, in March, Donald Trump fired him unceremoniously without cause. Before anybody says anything, yes, it is within the purview and the authority of the president to fire anyone under his command, if you will, in the Justice Department. But there was no cause here. Now we think we know the cause because two months later, under Jeff Sessions as attorney general, this case... This quarter billion dollar money laundering case was settled for $5.9 million. Fewer than six million bucks, they settled this quarter billion dollar money laundering case. Who's the family lawyer of the Katzifs? That's right. Natalia Veselnitskaya. She's the family fucking lawyer for these, these goons. This oligarch and his bratty son who's trying to launder money in the United States. Your video did a really beautiful job. Do you mean better job than I'm doing now? (laughs) No. 
but it, well, I mean, there's graphics and things are connected yeah, yeah. Yeah. and all these things are connected and it, it is very complicated. And I think that this isn't getting as much attention as it needs to because it is so complicated. There's all these moving parts. It's like yeah. a puzzle. It's not sexy because it's hard to understand. Yeah, it's very complicated. Here's the deal, though. Why is the question not being asked when she's in that? Because we don't know what happened in the meeting. Right. We're going to get to it next up that far more people were in the meeting than were previously disclosed. Yes. It wasn't just uh, Veselnitskaya yeah. and Manafort and Kushner and Trumpy Jr. Yeah. There were eight people in the... Go- See, now I'm getting ahead of myself. So anyway, the question I want to ask and the question I want you to ask is what else was talked about in this meeting? Were there promises? Were there agreements? Now, if your father does become president... We want this to go away because the son of my client, part of the family that I represent, is is under uh, pressure here. He's being prosecuted by the Justice Department, and we'd like this to go away because it sure as shit went away. Six million dollars is a fucking drop in the bucket to billionaires, where hundreds of millions of dollars, not so much. So... It's a question that I really think the media should be asking, delving deeper into this. And maybe they are, and they're doing more in-depth reporting than I'm able to because I'm just Jesse Dollimore. But let's get to that point, that more people were in the meeting than, than were previously. You know, everything's been updated. The reason for the meeting was one thing, and then it was another, and then all that. That's all the details. We, that's it. That's it. And now we find out. That wasn't it. There's more people. Right. They said those were the only Russian contacts. There's nothing else to report here. Right. Well, there were more people in the meeting. Absolutely. That seems like an important yeah. variable. So here's Donald Trump in France this last week during the Bastille Day celebration. And he answered a question where he defended his son and, you know, in very Trump fashion. You'll hear it. As far as my son is concerned, my son is a wonderful young man. He took a meeting with a Russian lawyer, not a government lawyer, but a Russian lawyer. Uh, It was a short meeting. Uh, It was a meeting that um, went very, very quickly, very fast. Two other people in the room, they, I guess one of them left almost immediately, and the other one was uh, not really focused on the meeting. I do think this, I think from a practical standpoint, uh, most people would have taken that meeting. It's called opposition research or even research into your opponent. I've had many people. I have only been in politics for two years, but I've had many people call up. Oh, gee, we have information on this factor or this person or, frankly, Hillary. Uh, That's very standard in politics. Politics is not the nicest business in the world, but it's very standard where they have information and you take the information. In the case of Don, uh, he listened. Uh, I guess they talked about... As I see it, they talked about adoption and some things. Uh, Adoption wasn't even a part of the campaign. Uh, But nothing happened from the meeting. Zero happened from the meeting. And honestly, I think the press made a very big deal over something that really a lot of people would do. Now, the uh, lawyer that went to the meeting, I see that she was in the halls of Congress also. Uh, Somebody said that her visa or her passport to come into the country was approved by Attorney General Lynch. Now, maybe that's wrong. I just heard that a little while ago, but it's a little surprised to hear that. So she was here because of Lynch. Uh, So, again, I have a son who's a great young man. He's a fine person. Uh, 
took a meeting with a lawyer from Russia. Uh, it lasted for a very short period, and nothing came of the meeting. And I think it's a meeting that most people in politics probably would have taken. So I had something I was going to say, and I'll get to that in a minute. But what is really <laughs> frustrating is how he said, I don't know if this is the case, but I just heard this from somebody. Right, right. But let me just put this out yeah, there. Yeah, let me just inject this into the population. Yeah, no, yeah. as soon as you do that, he knows what he's doing. As soon as he does that, or Sarah Huckabee Sanders does that, when she said, oh, I don't know if that video is true, but it's circulating, and I recommend everyone go watch it. Yeah, as soon as you do that, the Trump supporters take that information and adopt it as a fact yeah, in all their these, brain. All these goofy dicks who call the show and tell me I'm a liar... They're the ones who believe that. And it's infuriating because they get their talking points from these sources. And then that becomes the line of defense. And you right. ask, well, what is the evidence for that? Well, I don't know. Somebody said it. This isn't appropriate. This isn't how this works. Certainly not coming out of the mouth of the president of the United States. What I think is most notable about this is his own pick for FBI director, Christopher Ray, contradicted this when he was testifying and Lindsey Graham pushed him and said, hey, pal... You're going to be the director of the FBI. <laughs> That's right. Tell us what should happen in this case. Donald Trump says anybody would have taken the meeting. Well, his FBI pick says, no, this is something the FBI would want to know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing, when, when Donald Trump Jr. was on with Hannity and he said, oh, yeah, we all the time we get calls like this offering information. And Hannity was like, oh, yeah, well, what other meetings did you have? Innocently thinking there would be a list. Right. He goes, oh, well, no, we didn't have any others. <laughs> no, because it's not something that happens every day, you fucking mook. It's not something. It's not that common. Donald Trump even just said it. All the time, we get people calling and offering information. You know, you take the... Okay, well, the, if that's the case, we want to know. What other calls did you take? What other offers of dirt did you take? Right. Not that it's illegal. Yeah, but even that is an obfuscation because they're trying to act like this was just a normal thing. Right. And they said, it was explicit in the email, the Russian government wants to help this campaign. Right. Well, that's when he says uh, up front, it's it, not not a Russian government lawyer. Just she's a Russian who's a lawyer. Yeah, that's the new talking point. That doesn't fucking matter. They took the meeting. They sat down with her and agreed to sit down with her. Based on the fact that she was representing the Russian government. That is what they intended to have happen. The fact that it wasn't the case doesn't matter. It's immaterial. Holy. The other thing he said is all oh, four people in the meeting. Oh, one left right away. Wasn't really interested. The other one, he was on his phone the whole time. He wasn't paying attention. Well, that's not the case at all. So the Donald Trump lied. He's a lot again, a liar about something that we're finding out in a few minutes when I get to the other clips that there was up to eight people in the room. And then the other thing is they keep talking about how the meeting was about adoption. The meeting's not about adoption because, well, first of all, the adoption angle of the story is predicated based on a, a law passed in Russia. We don't have any control over whether Americans can adopt Russian kids. That's a Russia thing retaliating against the United States for passing the Magnitsky Act. So when they say, well, we were talking about adoption. No, 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 no. What she wants is for us to drop the Magnitsky Act so they will drop the adoption ban. They're not talking about adoption. They're talking about sanctions. That's just plain and simple. Yeah, that's also not what was in the email. Right. All right. Of course. So 
it's, it's, again, we're it, supposed to take everyone's word for everything here and everything that they say contradicts what the email said. Well, not only that, we're expected to take the word of people who consistently lie. Yeah. We've got a track record of lies, untruths, <laughs> just complete flat out and, deception. And this is what is upsetting is the email is so clear and they keep on trying to do these workarounds. There's no way around it. Yeah. It said what it said about the Russian government wanting to help the Trump campaign, and you went. I love it. You were excited. If it's what you say, I love it. There's no way around that. And I'm sick of seeing Jay Sekulow on the TV trying to get around it. You could have just said, I'm sick of seeing Jay Sekulow on the TV, period, full stop, and it would have been accurate. So let's get into this a little bit, especially the, the fact that additional meeting members participants, if you will, were included. And this is the moment, this is a conversation between Shep Smith and Chris Wallace over at Fox News where Shep is expressing his vocal, vehement confusion problem with all the lies coming out of the White House and they're reporting on the spot with new information about the fact that there were more people who attended the meeting that were previously disclosed. So, you know, and you're exactly right. We've been told a, a variety of stories. Uh, we've gotten, and who knows if, we're, if we've gotten to the end of the story. We, we thought I, we got I, to the end of the I story with the emails. Haven't. I now know I mean, we look. haven't, because there's news breaking at this moment, Chris. Okay. Fox News can now confirm new, more. Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, the lawyer from Russia, the interpreter... This new guy we found out about today, and a mystery person. John Roberts confirms there was an eighth person in that meeting. We don't know. There may have been more, but there was an eighth. Jared Kushner filled out his form, I think it's an F-86, saying who he'd met with and what he'd done. Very important stuff. You can go to prison for messing it up, you know, intentionally. He went back and added 100 names and places. None of these people made it. They, they, they're still not clean. We're still not clean on this, Chris. It's if there's nothing there, and that's what they tell us. They tell us there's nothing to this, and nothing came of it. There's a nothing burger. It wasn't even memorable. Didn't write it down. Didn't tell you about it because it wasn't anything. So I didn't even remember it with a Russian interpreter in the room at Trump Tower. If all of that, why all these lies? Why, why is it lie after lie after lie? If you clean, come on, clean. You know. <laughs> My grandmother used to say, when first we practice to, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. The deception, Chris, is, is mind-boggling. And there are still people who out there who believe we're making it up. And one day they're going to realize we're not and look around and go, where are we? And why are we getting told all these lies? <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say. I think... <laughs> That that and there's a lot of the of truth to everything that you've said. And as John Roberts pointed out, I can look, I can understand why Donald Trump Jr. didn't want to put this information out. Those emails are certainly damaging, you know, to have somebody saying this is part of the Russian government trying to help uh, your dad win the presidency. And he says, if it's what you say it is, I love it. That's bad. But having said that, it, it's going to come out eventually. It did come out eventually. They ought to all sit down right now in the Oval Office, they, uh, in, in the White House. They ought to sit down, everybody that was involved in the campaign, and they ought to sit there and say, anybody you knew that, you know, from the first 
uh, time you had beef stroganoff to the last shot of Stolichnaya, you got put down every contact with a Russian you know about, and let's get it out. That's what needs to happen. Because of the fact that his SF-86, standard form 86, it's a security clearance form. I've filled one out. Mm -hmm. I likely would have been prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law had I lied about meetings with representatives of a hostile foreign power when I was in the Marine Corps. And that's what's happened here. Jared Kushner has added 100 names. These people weren't on the names that he addendum that he added. That's a problem. He's a busy guy. (laughs) So many he can't remember. Hundreds of Russians, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite part of the Shep thing was... Why is it lie after lie after lie? (laughs) This was apparently controversial because it's unusual for a journalist to use the word lie. Yeah. And he said lie, which implies... uh, Willful. Yeah, willful deception. Yeah. And there have been a lot of articles about this moment because it is so unusual to see a journalist call it a lie. Well, even Chris Wallace took a long time to respond. Right. I don't know what to say. No, he said, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of truth to what you said. Yeah. He didn't indicate what was true. Right. And then you hear this from Shep. If you clean, come on clean. <laughs> if you clean, come on clean now. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Shep is from Mississippi. Yes. So he's it's not like he's from Colorado, everybody. He's from the deep south. <laughs> yeah. He gets a pass. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. So the, the the president's lawyer, one of the president's lawyer, Jay Seculo, we've had him on the we talked we've not had him on the show. We played clips of him on the show. I don't know that I'd have him on the show. <laughs> um Jay Seculo made the rounds this morning. He was on this week on ABC. He was on State of the Union on CNN. He was on Fox News uh, Sunday with yep. Chris Wallace. Busy morning. But yeah, uh, spinning his lies, his web of deception from one show to the next. He made some weird dodges today, though. Here's one where he blames the Secret Service for the meeting. So you, you heard Don Jr. say on Tuesday that we've now no, there's nothing more, that this is everything. Can you now say that we know everything about that meeting? I mean, clearly when he said that, uh, there was still a lot more uh, uh, to come out. Do we now know everything about that meeting, who was there, and what follow-up there was? Well, let me say this. I, you know, I don't represent uh, Don, Donald Trump Jr. I represent the president. And what I could tell you is the president was not aware of that meeting, did not attend that meeting, and Donald Trump Jr. was was explicitly clear on his uh, interview on the Sean Hannity broadcast that that was in on the meeting. But look, here's the reality. The meeting in and of itself, of course, as I've said before, is not a violation of the law. But I think it's important to understand that as counsel to the president, the president was not aware of the meeting and did not participate in it. You've said that no law was broken. But do you accept what we heard from the president's pick to run the FBI, that what should have happened there, if, you know, a situation where you have representatives of a foreign government uh, offering assistance uh, to uh, in, in an election that what should have happened is that the FBI should have been notified? Well, I've wondered why the, the, the Secret Service, if this was nefarious, why did the Secret Service allow these people in? The president had Secret Service protection at that point. That raised a question with me. Uh, number two, we're, we're, we can't act like this is in a vacuum. 
God damn. That guy is, he is reprehensible. In an emailed response to questions about Seculo's comments, Secret Service spokesman Mason Brayman said the younger Trump was not under Secret Service protection at the time of the meeting, which included Trump's son and two senior campaign officials. Quote, Donald Trump Jr. was not a protectee of the United States Secret Service in June 2016. Thus, we would not have screened anyone he was meeting with at that time. Not only that, they're responsible for security. They're not responsible for the legality or illegality of a meeting and the things discussed. It brings to mind the time way back in the day when Jenna Bush and Barbara Bush, the daughters of George W. Bush, they got caught for underage drinking at like a fucking Applebee's or something. Mm-hmm. Some restaurant. Applebee's. Oh, whatever. You know, some, some restaurant they were at. All right. Uh, Maggiano's. Yeah. Why can I only think of chain restaurants right now? Well, I'm just criticizing the Applebee. I mean, if you have money to spend, <laughs> you're not going to go to Applebee's, right? Well, if you that's where you get served, that's where you get served. Anyway, at the time they were the daughters of the president of the United States, they definitely had secret service protection, and it's not the job of secret service to stand in and say, "Oh, hey, I'm sorry, they can't be served." <laughs> They're there to make sure no one attacks them and hurts them. Yeah. They're supposed to stay at a distance. And just be a, a an exterior barrier of security. They're not babysitting. That's right. They're not there to... Is this good behavior that you're engaging in, right. sir? Yeah, well, I'm going to tell the president. That's not their job. So they wouldn't have been in a role to sit down in the meeting and go, um, are we complying by all uh, Federal Election Commission regulations? <laughs> That's not their job. It's, just, it's a stupid argument to make. Yeah. Well, it, excuse me, it raised questions for Jay Sekulow. Oh, uh, if Jay Sekulow has questions, yeah. oh my God, we should all... Do something that I can't think of. To answer right his now. questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the jokes just don't come, Brittany Page. Sometimes the jokes just don't come. So, the other thing that came out this week relative to these meetings is that um, the Trump campaign, prior to all of this information coming out, I guess a week ago or so, a week or two ago, the Donald Trump campaign paid Don Jr.'s lawyer $50,000 in advance of this information becoming public. Weeks before the email story broke. So the, the, the Trump campaign, we learned this week, paid $50,000 to Donald Trump Jr.'s lawyer. They paid this a day after one of the CNN reporters that was working on the story called to say, what is there, what can you tell us about this meeting? Is that an acknowledgement that the meeting with the Russian lawyer that he thought was with the Russian government um, was official campaign business? The fact that the Trump campaign f- paid 50 grand to Trump Jr.'s attorney? Well, look, I'm not involved in the discussions with the lawyers on who paid what entity, and I certainly don't represent uh, Donald Trump Jr. But look, in a situation like this, uh, it, this is not an unusual situation where the individual that's being questioned or, or subject to questioning, Donald Trump Jr., uh, retains counsel it, involved in uh, an incident uh, that involved an email campaign and a meeting when he was working, doing work for the campaign. So that to me is not an unusual uh, scenario or unusual setup at all. But I Our, look, I don't know the, the final final determination of who's paying what bills to whom. I mean, that, I think that's still in process. I think a lot of people who give money to the Trump campaign will be surprised that they're paying for the legal bills for Donald Trump Jr. Uh, Jay Sekulow, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. So this raises a question. It raises several questions. <laughs> if they were not concerned and if there's no issue here with the meeting, 
why did they pay Donald Trump Jr.'s attorney $50,000 when they found out that this story was going to be released to the public? Well, when they found out it was even being looked into, they paid the lawyer. Right. It seems like they took this seriously. And this was, that it was a concern. This was certainly even before they knew that the New York Times had the emails. Yeah. CNN calls and said, hey, listen, we have we want a, a reaction to the story. We're, we're asking some questions about something that we're reporting on or we're maybe going to report on. Yeah. The next day, they cut a check for $50,000 to John Jr.'s attorney. Mm-hmm. That's if that's not suspect, you're not paying attention. Your eyes aren't open because that's big time. Yeah. Again, whatever Shep said. If you clean, come on clean. If you clean, Brittany, come on clean now. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that Republicans are still not reacting to this in an inappropriate way. No, they're not. But some of them are, like the conservative columnist Charles Krauthammer. Yeah. Who wrote a column in the Washington Post. The title is Bungled Collusion is Still Collusion. <laughs> That's right. Just because you're a dumb criminal doesn't mean you're not a criminal. You're just a dumb one. He goes on to talk about how this is problematic and how people should be paying attention. Yes, they should be paying attention. And it's unfortunate that so many people, even like Marco Rubio or Lindsey Graham, these people that are supposed to be critical of Donald Trump, right, on Twitter. Right. Marco Rubio, I I question whether or not he's – he talks a big game – you know, there's a lot of these guys who talk a big game about being critical of President Trump and they're just they're 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 writing checks that their ass isn't cashing. This is how we should gauge whether a senator is being critical enough of Donald Trump. 538 tracking Congress in the age of Trump. They give everyone oh. a, a Trump score. A okay. Trump score, you say? Yes. And Marco Rubio is tied with like 15 other senators for the top slot with 97.7. That's and his That's his voting with Trump score? Yes. The Trump wow. score is how often a member votes in line with Trump's position. Wow. So you can be critical all you want on Twitter. But this says a lot. Your Trump score says a lot, Marco Rubio. Yeah. That is... I had no idea it would be that high. I thought that he would have uh, derivated somewhat. Even Lindsey Graham is 93%. Yeah, that's another one. Fuck him. Put your money where your mouth is. All right, well, speaking of money where your mouth is, listen, we're we're not going to end the show with this. We're going to come back after this clip because there's some things I want to say and we're going to wrap the show. But I did my video on Friday about this weird Natalia Veselnitskaya and all of the connections. And then this Sunday, today, Fareed Zakaria had Bill Browder on his show, the former employer of Sergei Magnitsky. And they talked about this entire thing, and it is sordid, and it is disgusting, and it is something... Listen, we should have played at the beginning, but if, if you're going to listen to anything we've talked about today, listen to the next 10 minutes of the show. Browder has much light to shed on Trump Jr.'s meeting and the Russian players in it. He joins me now. Bill, pleasure to have you on. Good to be here. Um, so what, what I'm interested in is it seems as though that this approach uh, and this meeting was all about 
uh, repealing or undermining the Magnitsky Act. And what, what, what I want you to explain is we thought that the reason the Russians uh, and the Russian government liked Donald Trump more than Hillary Clinton was he didn't like Clinton. He thought Trump would be better for Russia, softer, maybe in some ways more cooperative. But now we see a specific ask, which is they wanted the end to the Magnitsky Act. And that act, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is unusual in that it specifically targets individuals and not the Russian economy. Well, so, so what we figured out was that, that um, there are probably 10,000 people in Russia that commit very grave human rights abuses and crimes for money. Um, and then they take that money and they keep it in American banks and British banks and Swiss banks. They send their kids to uh, boarding schools. They send their girlfriends to Milan on shopping trips. And we figured that the one thing we could do in the West when they do these terrible crimes is not to let them come to the West, to not let, let them keep their money in the West. And that was the genesis for the Magnitsky Act. It was passed in 2012. And, and we had no idea that we had, it, it was like an exocet missile going right into the heart of what they cared about, which was their money abroad. And Putin went absolutely crazy when the Magnitsky Act was passed. And what he did was, was he then immediately and vindictively retaliated by banning the adoption of American children, of, of Russian children by American families. And um, when, they, when they mentioned that this was about adoption in that meeting, it has nothing to do with adoption. There, there, were, there were two uh, effectively agents of the Russian government who went to Donald Trump Jr. and said, um, can, can you help us withdraw this act if your father gets elected president? And why does, why does Putin care so much personally, in your view, about this Magnitsky Act? Well, Putin cares personally for two reasons. First, and most importantly, Putin received some of the money from the $230 million crime. We know that. We know that how? We've tracked it because in the, in the Panama Papers, um, we've learned from the Panama Papers, which came out last year, that a, that a man named Sergei Roldugin, who's a famous cellist, um, was, ha, received $2 billion of largesse from the Russian government. And what we learned then from those Panama Papers is the names of the, his companies. And we were able to trace some of the money from the Magnitsky crime, from the crime that Sergei Magnitsky uncovered, going to Sergei Roldugin. And so basically, Putin's nominee or his trustee received money from the Magnitsky crime. And so Putin understands that at some point in time, um, he will be targeted by the Magnitsky sanctions. And as I've said on this show, um, Putin is the richest man in the world. I would estimate he's worth $200 billion. And much, much of that money is held by nominees offshore. And that money will eventually be frozen under the Magnitsky Act if he ever loses his power as president of Russia. And, and do you think more broadly the issue is it would send a signal to all that, those 10,000 people? Well, that, that, that's the second reason, which is that, that in order for Putin to, go to, to, to do all of the dirty stuff he does, he's got to have his regime, the people working for him, do a lot of terrible crimes. And in the past, he's been able to guarantee everybody impunity. He's, he's saying, do the crimes, don't worry about the morality, we're not, we're not worrying about morality, nothing will happen to you. And you can take your money and put it in the West. And, and, and you, can do, you, you can take your money and put it in the West. Now, all of a sudden, the West, is, and, and it's not just America, it's Britain, it's, it's Estonia, soon to be Canada, are, are going to freeze that money. And so basically it means that he can't guarantee impunity for all the people that work for him, and the whole system kind of gets bogged down by that. And so for Putin, this is his single largest foreign policy priority, to get rid of these sanctions, which sanctions him and the other people around him who do terrible human rights abuses, torture and murder. And they've been trying in various ways to get this, the, the, these, uh, this Magnitsky Act repealed 
both officially and unofficially. They, they've been trying in, er, in every possible way to get rid of the Magnitsky Act. They've sent in um, this woman, Natalia Veselnitskaya, has been leading the campaign in the United States to get rid of the Magnitsky Act. It's a hugely resourced effort. Um, they have hired, sent millions of dollars. They've hired lobbyists, lawyers. What, what about the other guy? Uh, uh, Renat Akhmetchen, the other guy who was in the meeting, is, is her chief um, Washington operative. He's the one who's identified all the lobbyists, all of the uh, lawyers, all the investigators, etc. And they've had a full court press all over Capitol Hill. Anybody who will listen, trying to get rid of the Magnitsky And you're Act. sure they are, in a sense, agents of Russian government? Well, Natalia Veselnitskaya works directly for a man in Moscow, an oligarch, a government oligarch named Pyotr Katsiv. Pyotr Katsiv was the, the previous uh, regional gov or deputy governor of the Moscow region, a region the size of France. He's currently a vice president of Russian Railways, which is the second largest and most important company after Gazprom, state-owned company. He is a, 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 a sort of full-time integral member of the Putin regime. And a billionaire. I, I, I don't know he personally yeah. is or the people, yeah, yeah. his family members are, but what I can say is that, that um, he's a directly a, a Russian government official. He's paying the bills for Natalia Veselnitskaya and for Renat Akhmetshin. Um, Bill, it seems to me we're learning about this Russian lawyer, Veselnitskaya, this guy, Akhmetshin. Um, it seems as though there, was, there has been a, a, a fairly deep Russian effort to influence American elections, laws, uh, institutions for a while now. Well, uh, basically, the Russians are taking advantage of, of, our, of our sort of leniency and our liberalism in the, in the system, and, and that's absolutely true. And, and what's remarkable is, the, is how many what I call enablers there are in Washington that are very happy to just take that money in from the Russians or from whoever. Um, and this is a, a, a big problem, which is which, which, uh, there's supposed to be rules in place, um, uh, the, something called the Foreign Agent Registration Act, which... Um, demands that everybody disclose if they're working for a foreign government. And the Magnitsky case is a, is a prime example where they were trying to, they're, they're trying to influence the, uh, get people to repeal the Magnitsky Act, and they had all these lawyers, not, not, and I'm not talking about Russian lawyers, I'm talking about American lawyers and American lobbyists who were showing up in, in the halls of Congress uh, working on behalf of the Russian government and working on behalf of Natalia Veselnitskaya and Renat Akhmetshin, um, and not saying that they were foreign agents. And so I actually filed a complaint with the Department of Justice um, to, to, to go after this. There's hearings on Wednesday in Washington at the Senate Judiciary Committee in which I'm testifying about how the rules don't work. Let me ask you that in that case, you know, the, the way that Paul Manafort was paid was seems sim similarly quite clever, which was a pro-Russian party in Ukraine hired him for millions on, upon millions of dollars. Uh, and that, again, seems one of these, these kind of indirect uh, uh, paths by which Russia influences American policy. Well, so, so the money is never being sent from KGB central bank account um, to these guys. They, they, and and that, this, the, way, the way it works is that Russia enriches a group of people, uh, oligarchs um, around Putin, um, and, and then those oligarchs are, say, are told, make a payment to this person, make a payment to that person. And that's where, that's where this whole Magnitsky thing is. This, there's a guy named Denis Katsiv who is paying for all this stuff here in the United States. Um, that's the uh, same thing with this whole Manafort stuff. Uh, the Russians never pay from KGB Central. And what do we do? How do we stop this? Well, first of all, we have to wake up that, that, that Russia is a, is a country which is hostile to our interests. This is a country that's trying to destabilize Europe. It's trying to destabilize the world. It's, they're not our friends. Um, and we have to be on guard as we were... Um, during the Cold War, this is not, we, we are in a, a different kind, kind of Cold War, but 
but Putin is out to get us. And if we don't um, recognize that, and if we start to just allow them to, to sort of roll all over us to, to, inf to do fake news, to, to go into Congress, to, do all, to hire different people in, inside the corridors of power, um, they'll get away with it unless we stop them. Can, what, what, do you think that this personal targeting of Russian officials and their money is the most successful way to get at them? Well, it, 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 is, it is objectively and it is subjectively. The fact that Putin has had such an, a, a, a personal emotional reaction and, and has lashed out means if you've ever played the game Battleship, we've got a direct hit. This is it. We found it. We found his Achilles heel. Um, you said they, they, they're going after uh, America. They also seem to be going after you. I was struck a couple of years ago, a few years ago, the president of Russia at the time or the Russian prime minister at the time, Dmitry Medvedev, uh, made a rather remarkable statement for a head of government. He said, it is a shame that Sergei Magnitsky died and that Bill Browder is running alive and free. Did you take that as some kind of a, a threat? I, I took that as a threat, and I take the many other threats that come at me from other different parts of the Russian apparatus as threats. They want to kill me. They want to stop me from doing what I'm doing. I'm doing this because my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, was murdered by them, and I, I owe it to him and I owe it to justice to make sure the people get punished. And I, I won't back down, but they want to kill me if they can. And you, do you kind of take precautions? Uh, you have security? Well, I, I don't announce my, my, the precautions I take on, on, um, on Free Zakaria GPS, but, but what I will say is that I've written a book called Red Notice where I describe all this stuff, and if you read my book and anything ever happens to me, you'll know exactly who did it. <laughs> Stay safe. So all of that information is vitally important to this case. That's a guy who is so ensconced in what is going on, his life has been threatened, his life is in danger. We already know Putin kills people. Putin kills people who disagree. Putin kills people who pose a threat. That's a guy in the crosshairs who knows. It must be particularly insulting to him to watch Donald Trump laughing and rubbing his arm and patting him on the back yeah. and, and mocking the reporters that are standing before them. These are the people you're afraid of? Yeah, because Ugh. this is this isn't a joke. And this is what is I, there's so many things that are frustrating <laughs> that I keep yeah. talking about. But this is another one, which is Russia. This is a serious situation. Putin is a terrible person. This is just a reality. Yeah. And this guy's living that reality. If, if, if I'm dead, you know who did it. He's a billionaire. That guy's got a lot to... I mean, nothing's more important than your life. But he's a billionaire who is being this vocal. Yeah. I, we're going to follow this. But, but I think this might be the crux of what's going on here. Because now we're talking about the Panama Papers... There's a, there's a lot happening here. We're going to follow up on this. But uh, big things, big things. And you know what? If I'm able to look into this and, and kind of piece things together, you goddamn know Bob Mueller is and his expert team of investigators. They're not just lawyers. They are investigators. All right. Taking care of biz. 
normally I would say a name here, but I can't really say a name because a human chain is taking care of biz. A human chain? Yes, a human chain. This is a chain of 70 to 80 people. It's estimated. Oh, I know what you're talking about. In Florida. I was like, what in the fuck is she talking about? This is kind of a redemptive story for Florida. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even have the Florida files sound on the board anymore. Yeah. So what happened was nine beachgoers, including two children and an elderly woman, were trapped in the ocean. That's a big trap. The ocean. Yes. And... (laughs) They were not doing well. They were waving their arms, panicking. Things things were bad. That could just be a party. And people decided to... They were to, at a Snoop Dogg concert. People decided to... Waving their arms in the air like they just didn't care at all, Brittany. Get involved. <laughs> and so slowly groups of people just started going into the ocean. And they formed a human chain. They were holding hands. Wow. And it went from the shore all the way out to where the people were. How many did you say? 70 to 80 people, it's estimated. Wow. Yeah. That is taking care of business. Working together to save nine people from drowning. Pretty great. Yeah. And it worked. It was a success. Much to the, the pleasure of the the nine Snoop Dogg concert goers. Yes. Yeah. And what happened With was... Their hands in the air, not caring about anything. Yeah. Other than maybe drowning. Someone was drowning. and Someone was drowning. Yeah. The it fam- wasn't just struggling. No, the family member went out to try to help them. Oh. And then they got stuck. And oh. then another family member went out to try to help them, and they got Isn't stuck. Isn't that how it always works, though? Yeah. So it was just not a good situation. Well, but it awesome. was a good situation Regular because- Regular beachgoers. Yeah, all of these people. And so for the caller who was feeling pessimistic- Here's a great story for you. This should bring some optimism to your life that 70 to 80 people were cool enough to jump in the water and save these people. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to leave you with that good news. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in twice a week or as often as you do. Why don't you uh, go on iTunes and rate and review the show? There's been kind of a lull, a little lull in the in the reviews And if you haven't reviewed it yet, and you're not ready to donate on Patreon or PayPal, go do that. That would be awesome. Also, remember, we're going on vacation, but you're going to hear from us one more time before then, and maybe a bonus episode, because we love doing those. What else, Brittany? That is all. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email voice memo to your from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. If you clean, come on clean. <laughs> <laughs>